my hope in sharing is that I do offer somebody else hope. I do remind people that God can take messy and make it beautiful. And that while our story is unique and it looks different from all of our perspectives, and it is can be very messy, it is, it is beautiful. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. We have so many new listeners, and so if you're new around here, we just want to take a minute and tell you a little bit about Storytellers, because you may have found us as a podcast, and that's all you know, but we are gatherings of women around the country who sit and listen to stories. We are in 12 different communities from Montana to the East Coast, and It is women sharing everyday stories in homes, and those stories are then recorded and make their way to the podcast. And from that, Katie has taken some of the podcast episodes and created Bible studies that you can then dig deeper at home. And so we're really three different things. We are live gatherings that build community in cities. We are a podcast to give hope and encouragement in Jesus, and we are Bible studies to help you dig deeper. And so Katie, Lindy, and I get to be the voice of that, but y'all, there are so many on our team that help us. We were so excited. Last week, we had a team meeting, and there were not enough chairs at the table. Awesome. And that's so exciting. <laughs> God has grown this tremendously, and we are so, so thankful. We are so thankful for storytellers. And if you believe in the mission of storytellers, we ask that you come alongside us and support us financially. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We are so blessed to be able to celebrate Thanksgiving this week. And we would just ask you, our listeners, to take a minute. And if you have the, the financial ability to donate to storytellers so that we can continue to further this mission, this podcast reaches women all over the world, Mm -hmm. India, Europe, (laughs) Africa. We have people all over the world listening (laughs) to Everyday Stories of Hope in Jesus. So please partner with us and come alongside us. You can simply click the link in our show notes or go to storytellerslive.org and donate today. Well, for the past three weeks, we've been in a series about overcoming your past and letting go of shame. And we're excited that we kind of have a little bit of a two-part series coming up for the next two weeks because it is Adoption Awareness Month for November. So we're going to look at two different stories from really two entirely different perspectives. Both stories come from our community group in Katy, Texas. And this first story is from Kathy Crosno, who shares just her story of really finding out that she was pregnant, choosing to have the baby, and then choosing to give the baby up for adoption. It's a beautiful story of how God kind of walked alongside her, how he drew her in to a deeper relationship. Her story is just really full of sweet, surprise relationships that I loved so much, and just how he can, in her words, turn messy into beautiful You're going to really love her story. Here's Kathy. And before Kathy's story, we do want to tell you that we have a Where Are They Now extra bonus episode on Patreon. Amy Grody is going to talk with Brandy Miller from episode 60, who is actually your your story that you chose for our 200th episode, Robin. And so you're going to get to hear where Brandy is now, what she's been up to, and how the Lord continues to work in her life. Here's Kathy's story. No, I'm super glad you guys are here, and I'm honored um, that all of you are here. And I'm going to try my best to get through this um, without without all the all the tears. But um, my name is Kathy, and my husband and I have four kiddos. We have a seven year old. I'm like, how old are they? It's confusing. One, two of them are pretty close. We have a seven year old, a nine year old, eleven, and a fourteen year old. 
We've lived in this area for about 11 years, and um, we uh, go to a local church. We lead a small group in our home, and uh, Houston is now what we call home. So a little bit about me and my background. I grew up in a Christian home. We went to church every single Sunday. Uh, we went to Sunday school. It was definitely a part of our lives, but I can tell you that I just didn't have a relationship with God. It wasn't until um, I, I became older that that was something that, that I realized. Uh, through going to church, I did learn that my virginity was something that um, was very important to me. It wasn't something we talked about a lot at home. I do remember growing up with the book with like the husband and wife in the bed with the hearts. But, you know, it's like, I don't know that we had any more conversation than that. But, you know, I definitely know like at church, that was something that I was, I was what I was taught. And it was definitely something that was important to me. And I went through high school and had a really serious boyfriend and one that was it was very, you know, he, he pressured me a lot. I had friends that, you know, when you're that age, you feel like everybody's doing it except you, right? And so, um, you know, that was hard. But I was thankful for the situations where if I wasn't involved in a school activity, I was working. And so, um, you know, I was able to fill that time and, and, and be able to do that. So when I was in the fifth grade, my parents divorced. And my dad actually had relocated to the Dallas area. And so when it was time for me to finish college, I actually chose to go to school in Dallas to be closer to my dad and just to get to know him better. And after I had lived there about a year, I actually started dating someone who I worked with. He was older than I was. It was not a great relationship. In fact, um, my brother had come down. He was worried about me. He knew that something wasn't right. I was acting different. It was a very possessive uh, relationship. And I let things go too far one time. And... Um, I want to say it was just what I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't. It wasn't a night of passion. It wasn't romance. It wasn't when this is something that was so important to you. It wasn't what it looked like at all. So after I had talked to my brother, after he had come, I agreed that this wasn't a relationship that I needed to be in. And it wasn't long after that that I found out I was pregnant. And I knew immediately that I was to choose adoption. God laid it on my heart. And I don't know how else to explain it. And that's when that relationship really started to grow. And so I found out I was pregnant actually 22 years ago this month. And I moved back at the end of the semester. I moved back home. My mom lived in the Texas Panhandle. And I wanted to be close to family to get through that. And my mom was great. And she let me know that she and her husband would help me raise the baby. And um, as, as much as I love her for that, I knew that that wasn't what I was supposed to do. I just knew it. And my decision didn't waver. Um, I started to go to an, a local agency there, um, and yet again, I just didn't feel like that was what I was supposed to be doing. And so we've got to kind of rewind a couple of years. And before I had moved off to finish college, I was in a wedding of a family friend, and I went to this woman to get my hair done for the wedding, and I absolutely fell in love with her. I didn't know her well, but um, there was just something about her that I loved and connected to. Um, so over the years, I'd gone back to her to get my hair cut, and I found out that she and her husband had lost a baby due to miscarriage. And while I was at school, I had heard that they had gotten pregnant, and they had lost both of the babies shortly after birth. And she lost those babies in July of 2000, and I found out I was pregnant that October. And so while I was back home, I just really felt led that they were to adopt this baby, but I didn't even know if adoption was on their radar. 
And so uh, she was cutting my hair and, you know, I was from a big, small town, like everybody kind of knows everybody. And so she had already heard that I was, that I was pregnant and we kind of talked around it. And she had just mentioned that she and her husband had, had thought about adoption, but they just wasn't something that was in the cards for them. They had spent all this money in in vitro and the cost of adoption was crazy. And so, uh, so, you know, we just kind of talked about it and that sort of thing. Well, I had gone back a second time and by now it's like, I'm seven months pregnant and it's like, I got to make, I got to, I got to take the, I got to take the leap and ask. And so I had asked if she and her husband would meet with me and my mom. And I didn't even say what about, she clearly knew. But one of the things that she said to me, ever since I knew you were pregnant, I knew this was our baby. That was it. Um, they were great throughout my pregnancy. And when I did go into labor, um, I of course called them immediately and they were at the hospital Um, I did choose when I was at the hospital not to see them with the baby. It wasn't something that I thought that I could handle at the time. And I will tell you, before I say about uh, the hospital visit, one of the things that really kind of started to put this all into perspective and and how this was going to play out or how it would be for me is right before she was born, um, they wanted to find out the sex of the baby, which I totally understand. And so, um, because when I had had a doctor's appointment, the baby wouldn't cooperate and open its legs. So she had a friend who was a sonographer and, um, we went after hours to the sonogram place and everybody was celebrating. We were going to be having a little girl and they were the sonor, the sonographer was celebrate, you know, congratulating them. And I felt so alone in that moment. That's when I realized that their celebration and joy was my sorrow And so my mom had actually found a grief share group for us to go to at a local church. Um, And I was so thankful for that because back then, adoption wasn't talked about like it is today. I didn't know anyone who had been adopted. I didn't know anyone who had chosen adoption. And so we were kind of going at it like on our own. And so we joined a grief share group. And, you know, I was placed in the group of the people that had lost children due to death you know, especially being a mom now, they totally didn't understand why I would choose not to have my child when they would do anything to get their child back, which I totally understand. However, through that class, I was able to learn that I was going to be experiencing all the stages of grief and that it was going to be normal for me to be angry and to be hurt and to, you know, and so I was so thankful for those tools from that group. And so, now that we're at the hospital, um, like I said, I, I knew that I, I, I wanted them to be with her, but I wasn't ready for that to see that. But as soon as she was born, I had that time with her. And of course, so did they. They got to give her her first bath and be with her in the nursery and all the things that parents should get to do to connect with their baby. It was so great because my dad flew in. My brother was there, his wife. We had lots of family friends come and just love on me and love on the baby. And it was just such a sweet, sweet time. And I would say that um, at the time, those three days were like the best three days of my life. Um, we had her baptized in the hospital and we had um, a blessing over her and just prayers for her family and her life and, and what that would look like. And I remember thinking and looking at her, you know, whether in the bassinet, like next to the bed, would she ever know how much I loved her? And Would she ever know that I was doing what I thought was best for her? I wanted her to have a mom and a dad. I wanted her to have a life that I couldn't give her. And I knew that. And so when they wheeled me out of that hospital and they wheeled her out of my room one last time, 
um, you know, a piece of me went with her. And I left the hospital that day with no baby in my arms. But I do remember uh, my mom and I ran like straight to the one hour photo. This was back in the day of just like, like photograph, right? Film. And um, we went to the one hour photo. We didn't even go straight home um, just so we could be like surrounded by like all the photos. We didn't want to miss anything. Um, I had her blankets and I didn't want to miss her smell. And my mom just had like the genius idea of she had gotten these two stuffed animals and she had one stayed in the bassinet with Lex um, while we were in the hospital and one was with me and then we switched. And you guys, I still sleep with that pig every single night. And so um, it's, um, it's been really a sweet, a really sweet thing of comfort. But um, her parents were great. And they had said that I could be as involved as little or as much as possible. And I knew that they needed that time to become a family and I needed that time to grieve. And so I had her in July and I moved back to finish school in August. That next year in school, um, her mom was so great about sending letters and photos. And I found that like checking the mail was my favorite thing to do. It was, it was really, really sweet to watch her grow up. And then one day I was back home and, uh, it was actually the day before her first birthday. My mom was having surgery. So I was back in town to help her and I was on my way back out of town to go back to school when I had just stopped at a pack and mail on my way out of town. And they had a sign up on the door that just said like, we'll be right back. And so I just waited in the parking lot. And so I happened to like look over and the, her mom and Lexi were in the car next to me. And so I jump out, she jumped out, we hugged and she was like, do you want to meet Lexi? And I was like, yes. And it was so perfect because God was like, you weren't ready then, but you're ready now. And it's not the baby that I, that I had to leave behind. She was a toddler now. She looked different. She was full of personality. She was her own self. And, and that was such a blessing for me because, um, you know, the baby start, the baby stage is what I still grieved so much. And that's what I was so thankful about for that group is, is that the thing about grief is it sneaks up on you when you least expect it. And when I would see pregnant women or hear babies cry, it's like, you know, it was, it would consume me. And so I was so thankful that the relationship that I got to have that started right then, it looked a little bit different. And I think that was by God's design. But ever since then, we quickly became family. And, and that's strictly because of God. I don't know how else to explain it, but, um, my mom lived locally and so did my brother. And my mom quickly became and her husband, Mimi and Papa. And my brother was uncle Mike. And we started to spend holidays together and they would come see me at school and we were in each other's lives for about a year when I started dating my husband now. And so we dated for just a year and got married and Lexi was the flower girl at our wedding and her mom was the maid of honor and she really didn't know a life without James or I, which I was super, super thankful. She's always known that she was born in her mom and dad's hearts and she was born in my stomach. And I'm so thankful for to them for, you know, keeping that communication open and that she's always known that she was adopted and she's always known who we are. And, you know, as the years progressed, um, we all, we started a family of our own and those were her siblings. And when Lexi got a little bit older, her parents did divorce. And a lot of people ask, you know, how do you feel about that? Like, were you upset? You know, you had wanted her to have a mom and a dad. And, you know, the best thing I can say about that is, is, is that how I wished it would happen? No, but I didn't expect them to be perfect. You know, I didn't expect them to have a perfect marriage. I'm not perfect. I don't have a perfect marriage. I don't raise perfect kids. 
you know, and so I extend the same grace to them as well. And our love for them never changed. Um, at that point, our relationship dynamic changed. Um, a lot of things it were in that circumstance that um, it was hard to sit back and watch because, you know, as much as I was involved in their lives, I wasn't, James and I weren't her mom and dad. And we had to sit back and watch things and her go through things that we didn't agree with and that, you know, were heartbreaking. But at the same time, we were still able to be there for her and be a constant in her life. So at that point, when things kind of shifted a little bit, um, she started to spend more time with us on her own. She would come and spend holidays with us, spring break, Christmas, that sort of thing. And it was kind of like the best way to describe it was we had family in from out of town. And um, I was always thankful for our communication because we were able to have conversations with her. And I was able to say, hey, listen, you may not always like me. You may have feelings and you may get angry at me and that's okay. And I'm not going anywhere. And so I was thankful that I had that relationship with her to be able to tell her those things. Because if we didn't, it's like that would be something that she could always wonder. And that we've been able to like have a, a close communication. And so I will say, she's been able to ask me the hard questions. And the older she got, the harder the questions came. But, um, but valid questions. Like, you know, she sees what our life looks like now, right? She sees that we have four children. She sees um, our marriage. And she's like, why not me? why was I not good enough? And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I, it heartbreaking, but so valid. And I, and I totally understand with that. And I love that we have that bond because now that she might not understand from a birth mother's perspective, and I don't necessarily understand as an adoptee's perspective, we both have the adoption together. And a lot of people can't share that with us. And I'm a safe place for her to talk where I think a lot of people, and it's natural that it's like, it's hard to talk to your parents about because you don't want to hurt feelings. You don't want them to think that, you know, well, I love this person more than this person. And it's never been about that. It's never been a competition in my eyes. Um, it's more about we are just more people to love on her, more people to pour into her, more people to help guide her. And um, uh, when Lexi graduated from high school and we were we um, I'm thankful that my husband is a private pilot. We've been able to fly up to where she lives to be at volleyball games and um, homecoming and graduation and 16th birthdays and be a part of memories. And, and I wanted that for her. I wanted to, to support her in those things. So I'm, I'm super thankful that he's provided that. So we've been able to make that happen. When she graduated from high school, she did choose to go to Texas A&M, which means she's just an hour and a half away from where we live, which is amazing because um, things shifted again in our relationship at that time. Now we saw her regularly on the weekends and she was home a lot more with us. And so that was such a gift. And seeing the relationship blossom between her and our four kids has been such a big blessing. And then COVID hit and we were able to, she's quarantined with us for the full seven weeks. And so again, things shifted again. And it's like, we were able to, you guys, College is hard for a girl that moves far away and goes to school with where she knows no one and COVID hits. It's like, and so we were able to pour into her and James and I have been able to be a constant in her life. And we've been able, my hope is to be a family that um, models behaviors and love and acceptance. And we tell her the hard things and we say things that she doesn't always want to hear, always from a place of love because we, we truly want what's best for her. And um, 
to pivot another time, she um, actually, in August, she graduates in December, and she has chosen to, um, she only has one class that she has to go into person for. And so after discussing with her parents, she um, and, uh, had asked if she could like move in with us while she finishes this last semester. And, um, you know, to save money and just also, I think it's been just such a gift for us to, as a family as well. And what's been so great is, um, especially the last couple of years, but really now, is that she's not out of town family and from out of town. She's part of our family. And she is our oldest child. And for the longest time, um, I didn't know how to answer that question. Like, how many kids do you have? Well, I have four kids. Well, I actually have five kids, but, you know, I don't know. Or, you know, I didn't want to hurt her parents' feelings. You know, it's she's not mine. She's theirs. But she is also mine. You know, the truth is she is also mine. I'm so blessed to have that relationship with her. And, and since she's with been with our family, it's hard to explain. She's one of my best friends. No one gets me like she does. She um, and my husband and I banter back and forth, I think, like no other. Part of sharing my story that I love so much is, you know, um, at 22 when you're unmarried and pregnant, I felt like I walked around with a scarlet letter. Um, I was very ashamed um, and a lot of guilt. And a few years ago, one of my friends said to me, she said, why was it okay for Jesus to die on the cross for everybody else's sins, but not good enough for yours? And I was like, oh, yeah. And so um, the crazy part is, is I know Jesus has forgiven me, but I couldn't forgive myself. And so that's definitely been something that, um, you know, is, is something that's ongoing. It's not, you know, kind of like one and done. But a few years ago, um, because I didn't always share openly about our adoption or being a birth mom, um, but a few years ago, Lexi agreed to do a Facebook Live. It was about four years ago. And we just shared our story on Facebook. And people were, it was actually was overwhelming the response of support. And so many people reached out to me and to her and just, um, just from the adoption community and just people, it, it was just such a blessing. And so from that point forward, it's really just kind of propelled into sharing because my hope in sharing is that I do offer somebody else hope. I do remind people that God can take messy and make it beautiful. And that while our story is unique and it looks different from all of our perspectives and it is, can be very messy. It is, it is beautiful. And one of my relationships that I cherish the most and Lexi is here with us today. If y'all were curious, <laughs> that's the beautiful young lady over there. And so, um, I'm so honored that I have friends that come out and support me and encourage me and, um, I'm so thankful that I have a family that lets me be who I really am and um, can share with them, although through my, you know, sin and yuckiness and ugliness, but that also can, God can just do great, amazing things with them. You know, in Kathy's story, there was so much encouragement in it and just her wanting to follow what the Lord called her to do. But, you know, I just thought it was so interesting. We're coming off the past three weeks on a series of shame. And I just recently did an audio devotion on Patreon about how God just does not want us to walk in shame or guilt, that that's what Jesus Christ was sent for. Last week, Katie Wilson spoke about just being so 
full of shame and guilt because she chose to have an abortion. And then how interesting it is that Kathy chose, you know, to have the baby, but yet she still walked around in shame and guilt. And just how her friend spoke that sweet truth to her at the end of the story, she shared how her friend said, you know, do you think that your sin is too great, you know, to be forgiven? And just again, it's another layer of just God does not want us to have shame. He wants to be able to use, you know, the past and our mistakes for his glory. And he can do that through anything. How the enemy just comes in over and over, no matter what our decision is, no matter if it's big or small, you feel like there's no overcoming it. And just like her friend said, that's so powerful. Do you think that your son is greater than what Jesus died on the cross for us? Right. Completely. I I tell you, I really enjoyed Kathy's story. And I have so many questions. I'm hoping Amy (laughs) Grody's going to call her for a where are they now story within the story, because there are a lot more questions. I was I was so interested in in how all of that played out and just God being in her details. Mm -hmm. We talk about it all the time. But truly, as she was walking with him, he was orchestrating every detail. I tell you, the part of the story that literally put a lump in my throat was her talking about her family just surrounding her in love mm-hmm. on the day that she gave birth to Lexi. And just that sweet picture of just the body, the family, the church coming alongside of her, celebrating yeah. life with her, praying over her, and and just really creating a very special memory during yes, a difficult time. Absolutely. Oh, I loved it. It was such a beautiful picture of God's endless love. And, you know, as an adoptive mom myself, obviously, I'm so intrigued by all of these adoption stories. Because to hear from a birth mom's perspective and not an adoptive mom's perspective is so, it's just so enlightening for me. And to think that she did, that, you know, we titled it from messy to beautiful. And and that's what adoption is start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're the birth mom or the adoptive parents, there's a lot of mess. And it can take a while before you see the beautiful. And, you know, it, it's that way with so much in life. Mm-hmm. When you're in the middle of something, it's so messy. But to see how God has redeemed their relationship is really incredible because that's not everyone's story. You know, if you have an international adoption, it's definitely not a norm. But I think even if you're in the U.S. and have a domestic adoption, it's just such a beautiful picture of God connecting family. And, you know, I think on Thanksgiving week in Mm -hmm. particular, we can all have such difficult family dynamics (laughs) that can run (laughs) the gamut of just people not getting along or loss or grief Mm -hmm. or, and so to have a a story like this that was messy, that was difficult, and that God has redeemed it in a way that maybe she didn't see happening, but the way that he's chosen to write their story is so beautiful. So I hope that you as listeners this week find encouragement in that and whatever you're walking through every Thanksgiving week. And one thing that we hope that you have enjoyed this month on Storytellers is our highlighting of adoption stories. Uh, November is National Adoption Month, and we just wanted to celebrate that as well. We have so many wonderful stories of adoption and and through the years on the podcast. And so go to Storytellers Live podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and you will see a listing of all the stories related to adoption that we have provided on the podcast. And it would be something fun to do over the weekend, maybe to, Mm -hmm. to listen to those adoption stories. So we hope that you enjoy that. 
Yes, please go to all of our social channels. Follow us. We'd love to hear from you. I mean, give us some feedback. We read every single note, message that is given to us, and it just encourages us in the ministry. And, you know, speaking of Thanksgiving, we are so very thankful for all of our listeners. We're thankful for those of you who are supporting us on Patreon. My goodness, we could not keep the lights on without you guys. And we're thankful for you guys who just give. And so as Lindy said, you know, next Tuesday is Giving Tuesday. If you feel led by the Lord to give to our ministry, I just want you to know that that money goes directly into spreading stories of hope found in Jesus. It is also about, you know, letting people dig into God's word and really going from what we like to say around here, religion to relationship for women. So thank you again so very much. We hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving and we'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.